0: Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music and 18 minutes of concentrated, sheer enjoyment. After the intense month of Cacophony's Women's World Cup of Classical Music, the normal podcast service finally resumes now. Over the summer, Cacophony at the Women's World Cup featured 126 pieces of music, all written by women from the 32 countries involved in the football tournament. There's a big playlist of all the pieces on YouTube, with a link in the podcast notes, as well as interviews on Cacophony with some of the leading female musicians and composers who helped curate the whole thing. It's full of great music and great insights, be sure to check them out. It was a big voyage of discovery, and some of the pieces and composers will appear in full Cacophony episodes in the coming months. If you're new to normal Cacophony, welcome! Have a look around, make yourself a home. We restart normal with the symphony by Haydn. Franz Joseph Haydn wrote over 100 symphonies, so on the one hand a Haydn symphony is the most normal thing, and yet there's really no such thing as a regular one. We're going to listen to symphony number 50, a work like so much by Haydn that stimulates, entertains, subverts and delights. It's 250 years old, written in 1773, and to be frank, we don't know all that much about it. There's no great story to tell surrounding its composition. Haydn was the music director at the court of a music-loving prince, so it's likely the symphony was just produced as part of the works required to entertain him. In modern YouTube and podcast language, he's got to keep providing content for his audience. The interest here is all in the music. Having taken the format and made it his own, Haydn was busy defining what a good symphony should sound like, but he was always experimenting. In number 50, the new big idea is to begin with a fast movement that has a slow, grand introduction, an idea he went on to use again and again, such that it became the expected thing to do, for him and for everyone else. With a fairly small orchestra at the end of the 18th century, you don't get much grander than this. And so with that, the rest of the piece is going to be big, right? Wrong. The whole four-movement piece is done and dusted in under 20 minutes. And after a minute of grand, there's only three and a half minutes of the fast music left in the first movement. If you've never heard a Haydn symphony before, this is pretty representative. Music that on the one hand feels proportioned and neat, as good classical music ought. And at the same time, it's bursting with life and energy. All scurrying strings, with surprising interjections from the winds. just that it's short but the whole thing can be over before you notice because you just instantly tune into its vibe and get swept away by it. Everything just feels right when you're listening to Haydn. The second movement is proportioned and neat. It's almost entirely strings. A few minutes of ambling perfection with the slightest colour added by occasional oboes. Everything just feels right when you're listening to Haydn. In the third moment, we get the tiniest subversion, the kind of thing one might need something like cacophony to point out. This is a minuet and trio. It's totally the music that audiences expect at this point, two short related dances where you expect to hear the music repeated, but in a very set, prescribed way. The minuet is always in three in a bar, and it's in two parts. You hear A twice, then B twice aabb. Then we get the trio. Fresh material with a slightly different speed and feel maybe but we might expect to hear that twice too. And that's all followed by the minuet again but shorter. So aabbccab. Does that make sense? I've just road tested this with my 10 year old daughter and she thinks it does. This is what everyone listening in 1773 expects. They know how this goes. Only when we get to the trio, part C, it starts exactly the same way as A and B did. That's the wrong thing to do. Not everything feels right when you're listening to Haydn. And it's only a few bars in when we get a new oboe tune that we know where we are. So when the trio finishes and goes back to the beginning, we don't immediately know which bit we're in. Are we getting the trio again or the minuet? And how much longer might this go on? This almost takes longer to explain than it does to listen to. I guess the key point is that when you hear those stately, slightly over deliberate bars for the fifth or sixth time, Haydn wants you to feel a bit uncomfortable about going round again and again and again. The last movement is an exuberant romp, where Haydn lets things rip and then pulls back. Let's rip. And pulls back again and again. It's bursting with energy, restrained by pauses like an excitable dog on a tightish leash. But ultimately, everything feels right when you're listening to Haydn. Haydn 50 isn't one of his well-known symphonies. It's rarely played in concert and only gets recorded by the bands that are trying to record the whole set. Yet even this unspecial symphony is full of delight and invention, flair and panache. I hope you enjoy it. Click on the link in the podcast notes to have a listen to the Swedish Chamber Orchestra playing Haydn's Symphony No. 50 and then tell me what you think. You can leave a comment at cacophonyonline.com or a simple voice message You don't even need to type your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoy Cacophony, please tell your friends about it. There must be people you know who'd enjoy it too. Who are they? Let them know. If you'd like to support Cacophony and keep it going, you can make a one-off or regular contribution via our page at coffee.com. We're very grateful for all your support, whether that's cash, a comment or telling your friends. Come back for more next time and thanks for listening.